Thank you, Lord. Um, let's just keep playing that for a moment. Hallelujah. If you are in need of God to uh, touch you this morning, if you would just raise a hand wherever you're at. Just say you need God to touch you, to do something for you this morning. You need a physical touch. You need a spiritual touch. You need um, just God to deliver you from something. Whatever it is, if there's something going on and you need God to do something, raise a hand. Okay. There are different ones that have their hands raised. If you would look around and then just step out. Lay hands on them. Um, uh, we've got one over here. Miss Debbie in the back row needs prayer. Is there anyone else? Praise God. Thank you. Let's just pray. Let's lift these up to the Lord today. God, I don't pretend to have all the answers and I'm thankful that that is not a requirement that you place on me. I am thankful that we have opportunity to come before your throne and to lay at your feet the needs that we have. And today, we do that. We lift up these three that have represented specific needs today in their lives. And I pray that you would move, that you would manifest, that you would show up for them in a significant way, that you would do that which they desire, that which they need in their lives, that which is going to be right and perfect in accordance with your will for their lives. And Father, I know that you are faithful to your word, and we pray over them today that your word would be manifested in their lives. We pray whether it be for healing or provision or deliverance, whatever is necessary, that you would do that specific work in their lives. And we thank you that we can come before you today and present these needs. We ask for this in your name. Amen. Praise God. Aren't you thankful that we have the ability to call upon God in our time of need? Well, we have one person that is thankful. Seth, thank you. Um, the rest of you, are you glad that we can call upon God in our time of need? Amen. All right, good. We are glad you're here today. We have a lot of things going on in the next couple of weeks. Um, can you believe that we're already the second Sunday in of December just a few weeks left of 2019. So that is uh, scary in one light and uh, exciting in another. Now, the, the great thing is um, that as we look to this next year, we have some uh, opportunities that are going to be presented to us that we're going to enter into a time of prayer and fasting starting on January the 6th. So January the 6th through January the 10th, every evening, we will have a time of prayer and fasting here at the church. And so we want you to be aware of that. We want you to come out and support it. We're asking you to meet with God and to figure out what God would have you to fast during that time. Um, we don't set that up for you. We will provide, as we've done in years past, information on various fasts that you can do. Some do Daniel's fast, which are uh, fruits and vegetables, and uh, others will do a fast of, uh, you, know, of uh, you know, total food, and they'll just do liquids for that week. Whatever you do is between you and God. Some have even done where they fast TV during that week. I think it's a good thing that we can fast TV for a week. Um, it, it definitely can't hurt us. We want you to be aware of that coming up. Also, Miss Jean has her seniors Christmas party and pre-seniors, because it's not just seniors. So I've labeled pre-seniors all those people who are not quite senior yet that like coming to Miss Jean's party. And that sign-up sheet is out in the foyer. We need you to sign up today uh, if you're interested in going. And that date for that is January or December 20th. December 20th. So coming up, I was just speaking about January, um, so praise God, we're excited about that. Also, um, we have our Christmas Eve service on December 24th, 
Uh, 6 p.m. we'll be gathering here. We'll have a candlelight service. There will be various pieces that will be read through the time. We will conclude our time that night with communion. So it's just a, it's a, it's a beautiful time to come and worship the Lord together. And uh, we know some of you have family traditions that you do events on uh, Christmas Eve. Um, if your family is together and you'd like to come out, we keep it to an hour. We are in and out in an hour, so we're not trying to take your whole evening. We want you to come out and be part um, if that is something that you are interested in. That's December 24th, 6 p.m. December the 22nd, our Christmas program that day. That morning we start off with a 9 a.m. potluck breakfast. We're asking you guys to bring in all your favorite breakfast treats and we will uh, meet downstairs at around 9, and then our kids will go and start working on preparation for their program. Uh, We have a reader's theater with several adults that are participating, and then our kids' program that morning. And so it's going to be a great time uh, for church. We want you to come out and be part of that, and uh, uh, just enjoy the presentation of ministry that will come through that. And so Uh, Those are some significant events that are coming up we want you to be aware of. Also, tomorrow marks the beginning of our Discovery School of Ministry, our Bellbrook branch. And so we have uh, four students that are enrolled right now on that. We're excited about that. And it is not too late if you would like to come and sign up. Uh, you can do that. Um, our, our Discover School of Ministry uh, uh, director is here, and you can talk to uh, her today on that, and that is Tia, and so she is our director there. And so we're excited that she's here for that, and so you can come and talk to her about that today. <laughs> she told me not to introduce her. I didn't. You guys already know her. I just said you could talk to her. Praise God. My grandkids are up in the nursery, so my wife's up there too. Praise God. Um, I want to say thank you to all those of you who have been praying for me. You know I've been going through a challenging time with sleep. Um, I started on a, um, a CPAP machine this week, and so I have three nights in, and I've averaged about five hours a night, which is like records for me, you know, um, so... Praise God for that. I'm excited about that. It's amazing how you can feel when you get sleep at night. And so, uh, still some adjusting going on there, but I appreciate all your prayers during this time as I uh, get going on this. All right. Today, I'd like to start a, a two week long series. That's not a long series, but I only have two weeks because then our next week is our kids' Christmas program. But I'm going to focus on the word Emmanuel. Emmanuel. And uh, this is going to lead us up to uh, our, our program, but it is also going to set us up for the ability to fully engage um, with the Christmas season, with the birth of Christ, with the celebration of Jesus Christ. Now, how many of you can reflect back to naming your children? Some of you? You know, you come up with a list of some nine or ten names, um, and sometimes you're able to narrow it down to one or two. Um, Sometimes you're able to come to a place. You know, it just feels weird not having all of our kids, young people up here on the front row. I just just feel like this whole row should be full, um, because they normally are very engaging with me. So... uh, I just miss them. Just want you all to know that I recognize they're not there and it just feels weird. So, but uh, naming is interesting. Today, I, I, I experience people that have unique names. And um, sometimes the reason they, they tell me that they were named that was, well, my dad was eating at this restaurant that day. Or... Um, you know, um, they were having a fight, and this is what they ended up with. Um, you know, names throughout history have been significant. There are books that you can buy that have 20,000 plus names in it to help you narrow it down. Like, if you can't narrow it down from 10, you can narrow it down from 20,000. Um, and it just doesn't work that well. But when you look throughout scriptural times, biblical times, names had a specific reason that they were given. 
So as a parent was approaching the birth of a child, they were praying and seeking God for what would be an identifier for this child. And then that name would begin to unfold a prophetic nature to it. So you find that names, when they have incredible meaning, will cause something amazing to happen in a child. You know, I was uh, thinking of Jabez, and I, I love the story of Jabez in the Old Testament, but Scripture says that he was named that way because he caused his mother pain in childbirth. Now, would you like to be identified for causing your mother pain in childbirth? How many of you here caused your mother's pain in childbirth? <laughs> Some of you say, well, I don't know. I don't remember back then. Well, we, we all have an identifier that will set us apart. But there is an incredible power and potential in the prophetic of our name. Now, my mom and dad were not Christians when you know, I was born. There is not a, a biblical significance for my name. But when our children were being born, we, we definitely prayed about them and their names. And uh, you know, praying you know, that God would reveal and unfold their you know, character in the names that they were being given. And so as we come to this Christmas season, as we think about names, and as we think about... Um, all the things that in our society are associated with Christmas, like Christmas carols. I love Christmas carols. Um, I can listen to Christmas music all year long. I, I've got a good four or five weeks in on it right now. David, thank you. I'm glad you bear witness with me. You know, um, my 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 uh, vehicle has got a continuous flowing of Christmas music on it, and so it it just brings such a um, you know, a cheer to my heart. But there are other things that I love about Christmas. I love decorating for Christmas. I love uh, all the lights. I love all the Christmas decorations. I could leave them up longer, um, but we, we try to control that. We Like for ours, we've had ours up here in the church for a few weeks. Uh, same thing at home. We got them up right before Thanksgiving, I think, even. We were even early this year, early for us, which we normally, you know, are early, but we were even earlier than that. And um, so it's uh, fun to decorate for the, the season. Uh, some people associate Christmas with certain movies that they watch every year. Um, some might watch It's a Wonderful Life. How many have already watched that this year? There's a few of you. You know, I, I like uh, lots of different, I like A Miracle on 34th Street. You know, I like all three uh, versions of the Santa Claus movie. Uh, lots of laughter there. Um, I can watch, my wife and I are perpetual. They, we watch these um, Christmas programs, like Hallmark style. All, I, watch, I can watch them all. And some of them are as corny as, as the day is long. And when we watch them, we realize that one's done. We'll never watch it again. But we, we enjoy watching those just because we love the season. And for some of the, the message typically that is coming across is going to be very um, family-oriented typically, and it's going to be focused on this season of giving. That's one thing. Even if this world that we live in does not always identify Christ as the reason for the season, they do recognize that this season represents this big giving atmosphere. And so we have the opportunity as people are celebrating to direct their attention to the greatest gift ever given, which is in Christ. And that brings us back to this whole picture of names. And, and think about Mary and Joseph, the parents of Jesus, given the, the special responsibility of naming the Son of God. Now, of course, we know that the angel declared for him that he would be called Jesus. But do you realize that 700 years before Christ was born, that there was a prophecy that declared another name also over Jesus? And that was that he would be called Emmanuel. So if we, as we look at Matthew chapter 1, verse 23, 
We are told that the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Emmanuel, God with us. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the reality of this season. The greatest gift that has ever been given was a precious baby given over 2,000 years ago to set in motion the deliverance of the world, the salvation of all of mankind. Father, what a, what a gift, what a present that you sent that day. Today, help us to understand some of the significance of this event. We ask for this in your name. Amen. Of the hundreds of names that God has, and as you begin to look Old and New Testament and you recognize that that God is referred to in lots of different manners, lots of names, God was able to narrow down something that came form in a prophecy that would not only identify His Son along with Jesus, this other name. Now, this name is exclusive to the Son of God because it is descriptive of Him. If you have your sheets, I will try to make sure I fill in all your blanks for you. It is descriptive of Him. It is prophetic for Him. And it is His manifest destiny. It is descriptive. It is prophetic. And it is His destiny. He will be, He is... Emmanuel, God with us. Now this week as I spent time focusing on that four little, word, four little letter word, the thing that kept popping out to me was this concept of togetherness. With is a powerful notion, but it implies togetherness. When you think of with, you think of someone being together. Someone, it implies presence. See, I can't say that I am with Elaine if I am not actually physically with her, right? So this morning, Elaine and I had breakfast downstairs. We ate some bacon and, and sausage, gravy, and, and uh, biscuits and eggs. We, we were, I was with Elaine. I was with Jerry. I was with Martha. I was with Linda. You know, I can list the different people that were there at breakfast. Now, upstairs, there, were, there was a gathering of people up here for worship practice. I wasn't with them. Now, we were in the same building, but I wasn't with them. They, I was close in vicinity, but my, I wasn't in a physical proximity to them. So when we think of this word with, there is an automatic presentation inside of our minds that we are we are next to them. We are, we are within touching distance. And when you start looking at this, we have Jesus being called Emmanuel, God with us. And there was this, this communication being sent forth that God was, that Jesus was touchable. Now, one of the, the ideas behind setting our sanctuary up the manner that it is, is we wanted it to be feel touchable. Have you ever been into a high church environment before? Um, lots of statues and, and um, you know, lots of pretty, delicate things all around you. It doesn't feel touchable. I'm scared. And have you, <laughs> you know, most of you in here know I'm blind in my left eye and I run into things quite frequently. Those environments scare me because I've bumped into things before I've run into things I do it quite frequently I I almost took Seth out this morning because he came around too close on my left as I was moving my and I praise God I only hit him in the arm I think he was still upright so but so high church environments scare me in many ways I wanted our our sanctuary to be touchable I'm thankful that we serve a savior who wanted to be touchable he didn't want to be presented behind this glass wall that we only worship from afar. We don't worship in close proximity. Jesus wanted to be touchable. 
I started thinking about our children growing up. And um, how many of you ever had a kid that had a nightmare? How many of you ever came to the door, stood there and yelled, will you guys stop being irrational, it's time to go to sleep? Okay, a few of you will have counseling after service. <laughs> Typically, we'll walk in and we'll, you know, put a hand on their back and uh, we'll say, it's okay, daddy's here or mommy's here, there's no blue monsters with one eye in your closet. Um, you know, there's nothing under your bed. We, they want our physical presence. Uh, I remember when Matthew uh, was little, and, and if he woke up in the middle of the night, um, we could go in the room and you could just put your hand on his back. And it, there would be a, a calming, a peace that took place. And it was, a, it was a beautiful thing. See, children in the midst of those moments when they're scared... They don't want you to yell at them from afar. <laughs> they want your physical presence. <laughs> they want you to be with them. And think about it now. It, when you're going through a difficult time in your life, how much you want the very presence of God to be near you. You want God's closeness. Whether you're going through the difficulty of a loss, the challenges of a, a lost job or a, something getting broken. You want the literal close presence of someone. God's comfort does not come through His power. Although there is peace in the power of God. But God's comfort doesn't come through His power. God's comfort comes through His presence. And when we look at the presence of God, it is a, it is a comforting thing that is able to bring us to a place of rest. And we see in, in the book of Matthew that Jesus is introduced as Emmanuel, God with us. Now, not only in, in Matthew chapter 1 do we see this recognition of Jesus as God with us. If we go over to Matthew chapter 28, verse 20, Matthew, we have Jesus saying, For I will be with you even unto the very end of the age. We have even from the words of Jesus this declaration of I will be with you. And, and for that I am eternally grateful that Christ in His own words, in His own recognition, said, I will be with you. And many times we think, well, how is Jesus with us? Well, Jesus said, I may be going away, but I'm sending a comforter. I'm sending the paraclete. I'm sending the Holy Spirit who will be with you in all things. He's going to be present. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, one. And as the Holy Spirit resides in us, we have an opportunity to experience the presence of God inside of us on a daily basis. See, He is Emmanuel and He is faithful. He is with us and He is faithful to His Word. People sometimes you know, get confused with this whole process of Jesus being faithful and, and they say, well, Jesus will be faithful to me. Or Jesus will be faithful to this servant. And no, that's not true. What Jesus will be faithful to is to His Word. See, His Word, Scripture says, will never pass away. And so Jesus will honor His Word. And so when you're standing on a promise found in the Word of God, you have the ability to trust in it, to find great strength in it, because you're standing on His Word and God has the opportunity to show Himself faithful on behalf of His Word. We see Abraham come along in Scriptures and God says to Abraham, I will be with you and I will make you successful. Different individuals throughout history experience God coming along saying that exact same thing. 
We have Isaac and we have Jacob and we have Moses and Elijah and David. And all of these individuals experienced God saying that they would be with them. And they experienced God's God's provision, God's presence in unique ways. And when you read about David, I so love reading about David in the Psalms and in the different books that allude to David in his life. Because David had this unique relationship with God. Now, David made lots of mistakes in life. And yet, even in the midst of his mistakes, he was able to have a level of correspondence with God, of conversation with God, that kept him coming back to a place of relationship. Every time that David would fall into a position of sin, into a position where he walked away from those things that he knew God was telling him to do, God's presence was continually drawing David back. And David would come into a position of submission, into a position asking God to forgive him. So we have this message of God being with us throughout the Old Testament. And Jesus takes this message of God with us to a whole nother level. John chapter 1, verse 1. It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And so we have the marrying of Jesus not only being the Word of God. So if you want to get to know Jesus, you get to know the Word. So we have in this one passage the marrying of Jesus as the Word of God and also being present with God. And so you have all this truth being uh, wrapped up together in this, this beautiful package. And so if you begin to read God's Word, if you begin to memorize it, study it, Uh, meditate on it you begin to understand just in small ways about who Jesus Christ is sometimes when we first start reading the word of God it is confusing it is difficult to understand I remember when I was first uh, saved um, I was introduced to reading the scriptures through the King James Bible. Now, I love the King James Bible. I would tell you a good 80% of the scriptures I have memorized are memorized in the King James. But it was difficult for me to first read. It took lots of time reading to understand. But the thing that I came to realize, even though I may not have been heavily educated at that time, at 16 years of age, the more I read it, the more I began to understand. I didn't understand the language any better. It was, it was difficult for me to read it out loud. All the these and thous and the various aspects of the language that sometimes catch you off guard. But God's Spirit began to reveal to me different aspects of the Word as I read it more. And that's something that is unique to God's Word that His Word actually begins to reveal itself to us as we read it, as we study it. Scripture says to study to show thyself approved. There is this this necessity that we have to be students of the Word of God, to begin to read it. He doesn't say that we only read for understanding. We, We read it for it to be able to impart. As Scripture actually tells us, that God's Word will accomplish everything that it was intended to do when it is delivered, when it is spoken, when it is projected from our lives. And so when we understand that John 1.1 talks about Jesus being present in the beginning, that He was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God, we have this marrying of all this this knowledge, this information that Jesus, if we want to get to know Him, this baby that was sent some 2,000 years ago, we need to be men and women who study the Word of God. And anytime whoever is standing up here behind this pulpit is delivering the Word of God, there should be an automatic reference for what they're saying to be in line with the Scriptures because that's the only way we will know if what someone is saying is true. God's Word is our plumb line. God's Word is the thing that we align everything else to. 
But when we look at this word uh, with in John 1, 1, the Greek word here is the word prosa. And it in- indicates a personal relationship between equals. So when we look at John 1, 1, there we said the Word was with God and the Word was God. So there is an equality in relationship that is established in this word with. And that's important right now for us to understand that Jesus in His presentation in John 1, 1 put Himself on the same level with God in this place. So we understand God, God and Jesus were family. There is no hierarchy in that God says, well, I'm higher than you. No, they were, they were equal. They were one. So in, in John 1, 1, we have the presentation of Jesus being with or in personal relationship. Now let's keep going. Let's bounce back over to uh, Matthew 1, 23. The verse says, Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son, And they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted God with us. Now this word, with, is the word meda. M-E-D-A. It doesn't just indicate personal relationship, but it means in common with. So we have prosa, which means with being in an equal relationship, but this one says in common with. Jesus came and He was going to be in common with us. Jesus put on flesh. Jesus lived and walked on this earth as you and I. Scripture tells us that He was, he was tempted by, in every way as we are. In order for Jesus Christ to be the delivering Messiah, He had to be in common with us. And that's why it is so important for us to be men and women who study the Word of God because if you don't study the Word of God, it is easy to miss this little thing. And who would have spent much time on the word with? You know, it's just, we, we, we highlight the important words. Many times, words like this, we, just, we can just X them off and move them on beyond them because they're not, we don't see them as important and yet in the language because our language is so poor in actually presenting the truth of God's uh, message to us we miss certain things along the way in this process of being with us Jesus wanted to have things in common with us he wanted to know our struggle he wanted to know what it was like to be hungry he wanted to know what it was like to be alone now, do you realize that Jesus in His, his uh, Godhead form when He was one with the Father was never alone? Because <laughs> it was God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. In the Trinity, there is never this aloneness. And yet, when Jesus was walking on the earth, He separated Himself from, from His unique position as the Son of God and walked as the Son of Man. And in that position as the Son of Man, He experienced what it was like to be alone. He experienced what it was like to struggle to no loss. We're told, shortest verse in the Bible, that Jesus wept. Now why did Jesus weep? His friend Lazarus had died. Jesus knows grief. You know, there are so many things about the, uh, the manifest presence of Jesus Christ walking on this earth, being in common with us. God becoming man so that He could be with us, so that He could be in common with us. Those are important truths for us to understand. In our times of worship, there are times we have a very passionate time in His presence. How many enjoy passionate, deep, long worship? Some of you do. Some of you, it's uncomfortable. How many of you, is it uncomfortable? I remember my first exposure into the Pentecostal church and and worship coming from a a farming um, background where... um, 
we really didn't spend time in intimate settings like that. And it was truly uncomfortable. And, and this is coming from a person who didn't speak emotional language well. Unless it dealt with anger, you know, or hatred or many of those things. I understood that. I just didn't understand some of the other aspects of, of intimacy the way that this was trying to communicate. And I just, it felt weird to me for many years. And today I'm in a different place in my times of worship with God because I desire His presence. Not just here. I remember in those earlier days I thought that this was the only place I could experience His presence in that capacity. But it is amazing some of the worship services that I've had in my vehicle driving down the road. Um, some of the worship services that I've had in the privacy of my own home, in my office, out in, in the woods. I've had some tremendously intimate times with, with my God, but it's because I've grown to the point to realize that God's presence isn't relegated to this room. And in, in the world's eye, they want to relegate the presence of God to this building. And this building just represents a place that we can gather to worship. It is not the church. And it is not the place universally that God's presence dwells. God dwells in you. Now there was a time where God's literal presence dwelled in this building. And the only time you could experience the presence of God was you came to church. But when Christ was crucified and the veil was torn, His presence was released and God began to have relationship with His people where the throne room of heaven was opened up and God said, come, because I want to have relationship with you. Back in the Old Testament, in order for someone to get a message from God, they had to go to a priest. And many times they had to give a sacrifice of some sort. They had to kill. There was a lot of killing going on back then. A lot of animals. You know, if you look at the book of Job, and Job is literally the oldest book in the Bible. Many don't realize that, but Job is the oldest book in the Bible. And in there, Job talks about how every day he would make sacrifices for any uh, sins of his life, any mistakes that he made. And he made sacrifices for his children in case they made mistakes as well. Back then, the father, and I believe even today, we as parents have this ability to provide a prayer covering for our children. I'm not saying we can, we can get our kids into our heaven because of anything that we do but I believe that God places a lot of authority and and uh, power over in a parent's ability to pray over their children and and when we start understanding the prophetic nature of God and those things that we uh, put in the naming of our children we begin to release a destiny into them that they will begin to uh, manifest Something that is so, so much bigger than us. But the only way that our children will understand that is if they begin to see us desiring the presence of God to be manifested in our home life, in our own personal life. I want to know You, Lord. The Apostle Paul talks about it. says, I, I, it's not just enough that I, I know about you. I want to know you. I want to know not only the power of your resurrection, but I want to know you in your sufferings. How many of you have said that this week? Lord, help me know you in your suffering. <laughs> Lord, help me to know you when your life was miserable. No, we don't want that. God, help me to, to know you, know Jesus when he was feeding the 5,000 and there was so much more left over than he started. That's when I want to know you. Because <laughs> that is so much easier to, to go around talking about than to say, man, God gave me a glimpse into what it was like to know his moment he began to weep over the loss of Lazarus. What a powerful time. But see, if we truly want to experience the presence of God, we cannot relegate it to a certain specific situations. We must be willing to know who God is in the entirety of who He is. 
And that means that there may be a presentation of what Christ endured that will be uncomfortable. I have been uncomfortable with emotions most of my life. Is anybody else out there like that? I was brought up in a home where we didn't talk emotions. Actually, I've been told, and I'm sure there are many of you men out there that were told this, um, crying was for sissies. Actually, I remember my dad telling me years ago that if you're, if you're crying, well, I'll give you a reason to cry. Has anybody else been there? So I, now Gabriel, you'd be good back there. Um, I, we raise men and women who are not comfortable with their emotional side. And so we learn to compartmentalize. We learn to, to shove things down. We, we learn to pack things in such a way. And we don't know how to deal with them. God is wanting us to understand that there is so much more to who He is. We cannot put God in this place where we decide how His presence is going to be manifested. If we are praying for the the presence of God to be manifested in our life, then we must be willing to receive it however it comes. See, He is faithful all the time and His agenda is His presence in our life. That's what it is about. He wants us to know who He is. Remember the story of Jacob? Jacob comes along and he doesn't sense the presence of God and he fears that it is gone from him. How many of you have ever felt that the presence of God was gone from you? It's all right, be honest. I've felt that. I've questioned whether, I mean, my head knew (laughs) what God's Word says, but I wasn't feeling His presence. Jacob began to question whether or not God's presence had left him. Genesis 28.12 Jacob says, God says to Jacob in a dream, He says, I am with you and I will be with you wherever you go. So Jacob in the midst of, you can write down the, you can look at the rest of the chapter later, but Jacob in the midst of his time of questioning whether God was present, God shows up to him in a dream and says, I am with you and will be with you wherever you go. And then verse 16 is a powerful verse in this. It says, Jacob wakes up and says, Surely God is in this place, but I did not know it. See, the issue isn't God's presence being pulled from us. It is us not being able to recognize God's presence. It is, being, it is us being detached from that thing that we desire. Now, I know that some of you will be able to shake your head on this, but uh, um, I am a technology person, as many of you are, I'm sure, and I love, anyways, my cell phone and the uses, the benefits of it. But how many of you have noticed that our cell phones can detach us from the world around us? That you see a family go out to dinner and everybody has their, their cell phone out in front of them the entire time they're at a meal. And uh, it creates some difficulty. Now, I have been guilty of this. I've seen some families um, do some beautiful things and they have a, um, a, a checkbox that the, the cell phone doesn't go in the kitchen at all. That when you're in the kitchen, it, the cell phone is in the box. And, and it's a beautiful thing. I, I, I'm not telling you I've implemented it yet, but I see the value in it. But I, I do understand that our cell phones have the ability to cause us to be near somebody but not be present with them. Have, have you ever missed something that someone was speaking to you because you were looking at your cell phone? How many times has God been trying to speak to us and we miss it because we are not focused? We are distracted. There are a lot of things in this world that distract us. It isn't as Jacob experienced that God left him. It's just that he missed it. How many times have we missed God's presence when He was trying to manifest something in our life? 
We know Jesus from the book of Matthew chapter 1 to verse 28 communicates this truth that He is going to be with us. And yet there are times in the midst of our, our struggles, in the midst of our, our loneliness, we wonder, is God present? And God's Word is clear that we can see woven throughout the Scripture this message that God is with us in our loneliness, that He is with us in our suffering. That He is with, with us in our desperate circumstances. That He is with us when we are brokenhearted. That He is with us when we are poor and needy. That God is with us in every situation, regardless of what is happening, He is with us. His Word is clear. I will never leave you nor forsake you. He wants to be there. If you need somebody to be present, One of the things that is affirming is when someone says, listen, I got your back on this. I'm with you. You like that affirmation that comes through them saying, listen, I am here for you. And yet Jesus has said, listen, I am here for you. I am ready. I'm present. I'm with you. And yet there are still times that we miss it. He wants to be present for us. He wasn't just God with us. He was God in common with us. He knows your struggles. He knows the things that are setting you back. See, it is the presence of God that makes a difference in our life. And we need to seek His presence. I want to give you a few scriptures in closing that will help us direct our attention to God's presence. Isaiah 41.10 says, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Jeremiah 15.20 For I am with you to save you and deliver you, says the Lord. One of my favorite passages of Scripture is Isaiah 43, verses 1 through here. It says, But now says the Lord who created you, O Jacob, and he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by your name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. Through the rivers, they shall not overflow. And when you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor the flames scorch you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I love a quote from Charles Spurgeon. He says this, he says, Whatever is possible or whatever is impossible, Christians can do at God's command, for God is with us. Whatever is possible or whatever is impossible, Christians Christians can do at God's command, for God is with us. Do you not see that God with us puts impossibility out of existence? Hearts that can never be broken will be broken if God is with us. I can tell you that this is true. I I talked to my dad after I accepted Christ at 16 and up until the point that, that my dad, I was able to lead my dad to the Lord just a little over 10 years ago before he died of cancer. God broke a heart that was so hard and calloused and made it receptive to His presence. God can break a broken heart. Or God can break a hard heart. Errors which could never be fixed can be overthrown by the power of God inside of us. Things impossible with men are possible with God. Church, I'm encouraging you this Christmas season to seek the presence, Emmanuel, God with us. I believe God wants to have an encounter with you this year. And if you will seek Him, Scripture says you will find Him. Let's pray. God, we thank You for exactly that. Your presence. We thank You that You are here in this place today. We thank You, God, that You are with us in all situations and in all circumstances. God, I pray that this simple truth, as we have focused on today, would be settled in our own hearts. 
that as we go into the different situations this week, as we go from home to work or home to the store, home into whatever atmosphere, or we go into our homes, (laughs) that we would remember that you are always with us, that you never leave us nor forsake us. This week, those that are struggling in the midst of their loss, in the midst of their brokenness, I pray that you would wrap them up in your arms of love. I pray that you would be with the lonely, the sick. I pray that you would be with those in trouble. I pray that you would be with those who have nowhere to turn, nothing else to say, nothing else to do. And God, I pray that today we would sense Your presence in new ways. Not because You're trying to show it to us differently, but because it is always there. And that if we would open up our eyes to see, we would see You in new ways today. That it would change not only how we live, but how we act. So Emmanuel, God with us, we pray that our hearts and minds would be fixed on You and on Your Word and on Your purposes for our lives. We pray these things in Your precious name. Amen. Church, this week, as you go about the things that God has for you, be aware of those around you that are in the midst of struggles that are in the midst of difficulties, that are in the midst of grieving. Don't be callous to them. Be someone who is willing to manifest the presence of God to those in need. Be the hands and feet, the love, the kind word. Don't fight with someone because they say happy holidays. There are a lot more serious things going on in the world. Just show the love of Jesus. It'll fix a world of hurts. Be His manifest presence in the world today. For His presence dwells in you and will do amazing things through you as you let it. This time we're going to wait upon you for a morning tithes and offering. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank You for all that You continue to do in and through us. Thank You for Your many blessings. I pray today that as we honor You in our giving, Father, that You would bless it and multiply it. We thank You for Your provision in our lives and all that You do for us. Help us to honor You that we may continue to do that which You've called us to do. Bless each person today. Father, for those that are part of our our church that are uh, out traveling, that are homesick, Father, that are in the midst of some difficult times in life, we pray that You would wrap them in Your arms of love, that You would strengthen them and uphold them with Your right hand, that You would be that, that presence in their lives that they need that will fulfill the desires, the hurts, the pains that they're suffering that they would understand you know and have experienced pain in similar manners as they. And that you know how to minister to people in the midst of brokenness. Lord, I pray your blessing on this time and upon this week. We ask for this in your name. Amen.